0: From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: All right, here we go on this Thursday. Again, programming note, every Monday and Thursday, 2 o'clock start on Cofield and Company because we hand it off to the national feed of the game. That'll happen right after 5 o'clock. Damon is here in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. A lot to get to today. Thursday, traditionally, on this show. Is our college football day. We'll get lots of NFL in as well. Friday is more the NFL day, although we will have a lot of coverage of UNLV football on Friday as well. I always like to remind people sort of how the show works, because if you don't pay attention closely, there's a method to the madness. Like, Mondays is going to be heavy, heavy NFL. And then we see what happens on Monday going into Tuesday. Obviously, Tuesday this week was... Aaron Rodgers, which became the story all over the sports world. And we were also at a pool watching Bikini tug of War. So that's how the show's kind of laid out. So that means later in the show, we're gonna talk to Brad Powers towards the end, who'll give us leans and likes. We're gonna talk to Michael Felder, who's one of our national college football insiders. He'll talk about some of the big stories, including another Dion story. Colorado's off to a great start. His son is awesome. But CSU has stirred the pot a little bit. Jay Norvell has stirred the pot on that rivalry, and it actually is a big rivalry with Colorado. It's been a one-sided rivalry of late, but Colorado and CSU. And then uh, one of the guys from CBS who covers NFL and college football, Ross Tucker, will join us. Ross is actually on the game this weekend here in town at Allegiant as Vanderbilt is in town to take on UNLV. So there's a lay of the land. Come on.
2: What's going on, buddy? Not a whole lot, Steve. You know, it's Thursday Night Football. Did you recognize that that song that I played? Uh, No, I did not. That's the Thursday Night Football for Amazon theme. It is. Because, you know, one of the things that I sent to you was, hey, man, does anybody like the broadcast team or anything? And I know so little about the Amazon broadcast.
1: Well. That's what's on my mind right now. You know, yesterday we talked a lot about my appreciation for announcers and, uh, Regular company members, JVT and Adam Hill have expressed that they don't care who's on the broadcast because they don't listen to the games. I listen to the games, but there is, for some reason, I can't even explain it. I think Thursday night is one of the nights we actually go out. I don't even know what my schedule is or my life is. Uh, But Thursday nights is one of the nights that we go out, the SO and I, and if we watch Thursday night football, we don't have the sound on because we'll be at a bar or a restaurant. So I'm actually not really familiar with who even does it.
2: But they've got the heavy hitters. Amazon spared no expense. Richest company in the world. Al Michaels. Yes. And Kirk Herbstreet.
1: I My guess is I will hear more of Al Michaels on a spot he did on the Dan Patrick show, driving around listening to Fox Sports Las Vegas on Tuesday than I might tonight. And, again, this goes against the grain with other guys on the show. And, clearly, you have a little bit of interest who does the games from an mm-hmm. announcing standpoint. I'm not a Kirk Herbstreit guy. Um, I'm not sure how you can do an NFL game and the research, and then be well versed enough in college football. College football is his thing. He's also kind of turned me off over the years. I think Kirk uh, Kirk Herbstreit's a you know pretty good college football analyst, game analyst, and panel analyst. But he's also one of those guys who really push back on NIL. And that's not, I don't know, I don't want to be like a cheese ball here and say, that's unforgivable! But it kind of is in my mind, because the other—the problem with this is, while the players are finally getting a slice of the pie, I mean, not really a slice of the pie, because they're not really getting NCAA money, but at least they're getting some of the advertising money with sponsors, Street pushed back on that. He was one of these guys who was beating the drum or clutching his pearls, like, this is going to ruin college football. It hasn't ruined college football. Uh, in fact... Not a whole lot has developed yet, and yet some of the most viewed and bet on football is college football because they have a great storyline with Dion, And you can bet your ass Deion's getting paid, his son's getting paid, some of his star players are getting paid. They're going to get even more because when you have success, people will come out of the woodwork, supporters, because this is a way to be a booster with an end around as opposed to the past when I'm sure Colorado football in, okay, I'm not sure. I would think. I don't want to get a lawsuit. I would think that Colorado football, when it was on top of the world in the late '80s and early '90s, they did what they needed to do to compete with everyone else who was paying players, and they gave out some, you know, whatever the McDonald's bag or the white envelope or whatever, a you know, hundred dollar handshake here and there. But back to Herb Street for a second, and I was not planning on going in this rant, but Herb Street and folks like that who were on the media side who then rail against players making money. Off, off of college football, like, bro, what do you think you've been doing? And then the other thing is, I watch commercials, and I swear to God, he's got like five different endorsement deals, and it's like, wait a second! You, former Ohio State quarterback, can make money off of college football and sponsors, but say, Kyle McCord, who's currently playing at Ohio State at quarterback, you're uneasy with that? How does that work? You're both adults? That's not fair. So, long explanation <laughs> as to why I'm sorry. It's a long explanation as to why I'm I'm not a big fan of Herb Street.
2: I thought you were going to say the route I was going with it is I don't think he likes NFL football.
1: I that's another one. I think a lot of college football announcers aren't really big fans of the NFL. So, what have you heard or seen where you're like, does this guy even like the game?
2: Where sometimes it is about the research, and I've heard from some people that say. That, you know, closer closer to the matter than I am. That are, I don't think he likes football either. Like, he's talked about, like, ah, it's only for the paycheck. I know he said that outright, has he? Uh, he hasn't said it outright. Okay, but, but it just feels think, that way? Yeah, it feels that way, that it's only for the paycheck. Because I've listened and to it a little bit, because it's when you see awful announcing, you know, great, you know, eh, not great. But they do things, where sometimes it's, you got Al Michaels in a stinker on a Thursday night game. Because, you know, Thursday night, towards the end of the season, these games aren't the best. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't think either one of them want to be there.
1: well, I think that might be the case for herb street i I don't like going down this path, but it was the first time last year that things came a little unraveled for Michaels, and people started getting on him just about his age. But there is a point where you're just not as sharp as you used to be and uh and to your point, maybe there's a bitterness about you know. I don't know why you would be bitter. You're still making you know tens of millions yes. of dollars, uh, whatever he's getting paid, six or eight million dollars, uh, to watch football on a Thursday night. So I don't know why you'd be mad. I guess there's always a joke that Al seemed to have been very aware of lines going to games and sometimes he he would mention it. You'd hear a little sourness, maybe if things were going the wrong way. Don't have any proof, but you know, <laughs> take that, take that leap. Here's the thing. So we mentioned the broadcasters and we talked about this yesterday. Because we were talking about 22 years of John Madden and Pat Pat Summerall, and also 22 years of Aikman and Buck. And we brought up Trey Aikman as a guy who, like, he's not the most high-level thinker. Now, I also think on national TV there are producers and executives who are like, "Don't talk over the audience's head." So I understand that. But his passion doesn't seem super strong. You know, you almost never hear of you know from him uh, during the offseason or you know in between. You know, the week of games, I would think if you love football, you do a couple of spots, you're hyping things up, but they do make a lot of money. They don't have to do anything else. They both make like 18, 19, $20 million. Um, and I, I think that's a little bit insulting to fans. Like now I'll give you an example of a fan who may be a little out of control here. There was a guy out at whatever the, what is, what is their stadium called? It's the vet, whatever the vet property. I'm not giving the bank a spot whatever the sponsor is a pop, um, there was a guy out this morning, KYW News in Philadelphia, caught up with a dude. And believe me, when you hear this accent, he is 100% Philadelphia. He's out there getting ready for an 8.15 Eastern time kickoff at 4.30 in the morning. I had like chills this morning. Drive. I'm thinking about the game. I'm thinking about how the defense is going to play. Are we going to run the ball? Uh, is is Jalen Hurts gonna play better than he did last week? Cause he didn't have a Jalen Hurts game. I mean, everybody knows that. So they got to clean up their mistakes. We have a lot of injuries tonight, but uh, DeAndre Swift, I think he's really gonna step up for
3: the Birds and
1: six point win. That might be more prep and opinion than we get from Herbie tonight <laughs> from Joe Blow Philly guy.
2: Have you ever seen the clip of Stephen A. Smith where he's, where he's got a caller on his radio show and he says, uh, brother, have you been drinking? you slurring your words a little bit. <laughs> that's <laughs> where, just a Is that ac- just the accent?
1: That's, that, that's actually a really interesting angle. Listen to the follow-up question here by the reporter on KYW. How are you going to last this whole time? you got a long way to go here. Listen, this is what I do. I'm usually the first one down here. You go to sleep early. I went to bed early last night. You get up. Why wouldn't you want to be down here? for a game like this. Come on, this, this, this is prime time. The whole world gets to see the Eagles play. All right. Drunk at 4.30? Like he went to bed early because he passed out and, he, and he's still drunk in the morning? Is he already drinking? Uh, because if he's drinking at 4.30 in the morning for an 8.30 game, good luck. But he, he did mention that he had really good tickets, like section 128. So that was a great interview, by the way. Oh, yeah, 4.30 in the morning? You're like, I don't know if this guy's going to be freaking coaching at this time in the morning. He's all fired up. Bringing up DeAndre Swift probably has him in fantasy. Let's go pick it up, DeAndre. He should get a weekly spot. That guy loves football. So when Aikman and Herbie slodge through it, that guy should be insulted because I'm not getting up. Well, I might get up at 4:30 the day of a game, but I'm not going to the game and hanging out in the parking lot for. Let's do some quick math. What are we talking about here? 12 hours and then the game? No. And he wasn't that young either. Good deal. Good stamina. All right, we got a Lions fan angle we got to get to in just a little bit. That'll be coming up later in the show. But up next, we are going to talk to one Ross Tucker, who is uh, on the call of UNLV and Vanderbilt, is also doing an NFL game this weekend, as we'll be covering uh, for Westwood One Radio, the Dolphins at the Patriots.
0: Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: Just getting rolling here on a Thursday. Again, every Thursday we go two to five. Every Monday we go two to five the other three days of the week. Three to six with Cofield and Company. Damon is here in the Finley Toyota Studios. Vanderbilt's gonna be in town. This is a toss-up game by the spread. We're going to preview it the next two days. We'll see if everyone agrees with that. But Vanderbilt's in town to take on your Rebels football game at Allegiant 4P kickoff. It's on CBS Sportsnet. Ross Tucker, the former NFL player and uh, current NFL announcer, is on the game. Uh, I got a chance to grab him just a little while ago. And we started off with a little NFL. And I asked him, you know, the story of the week. Give me some thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and also the notion now from the Jets that Zach's, uh, Zach Wilson is going to be the guy the rest
3: of the way i like i think everybody totally totally bummed out about the rogers injury I, you know it just makes it a uh, less exciting less entertaining season right i mean we were all very curious to see how this would play out with rogers on a different team and i i had pretty high hopes for the jets i don't know if i thought they'd go to the super bowl but i thought they'd make the playoffs and maybe even go on, on a on a decent playoff run but You know, this is kind of the life we've chosen with professional football, right? These injuries happen. It's a shame. Um, You know, I think when Robert Sala, the Jets head coach, says, Zach Wilson's our guy, we're going with Zach Wilson, that's what he has to say now, right? Um, I think that they are considering their options. Perhaps they'll even see how well Zach plays against the Cowboys Sunday and kind of, use that as a little bit of a barometer for what they do next, but I would be stunned if they didn't bring somebody else in. I mean, you got to bring somebody else in just so you have a third quarterback, and I do think it'll be a guy that is sort of a uh, steady-as-he-goes presence because they have such good skill, such a good defense, that if they can just get quality – you know, veteran quarterback play from, you know, a guy that is average, heck, even slightly below average. They just can't have a young guy turning the ball over not knowing what he's doing. I would expect that they bring a guy like that in and they say that he's going to help, you know, Zach Wilson is going to be the number two guy. They wanted to have a veteran in the room, blah, 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 blah. And then it's Zach's team until it's not Zach's team anymore, right? Like, as long as Zach keeps playing okay, I think they'll keep him in there. But if Zach starts to be the reason why the Jets are losing, then they'll go to plan B whoever. i like them to probably do that as soon as this upcoming week.
1: So last week I watched you do uh, Tennessee and the Saints, and those of us in Vegas are kind of watching our ex. You know, we're sad. About Derek Carr, he, uh, he had his moments in that game. You're on uh, Westwood One radio this week, which we run on our station. What an intriguing game with Miami and New England.
3: I mean, I think that the Dolphins were the only team offensively, Steve, that looked like they were in midseason form in week one. You know, the yeah. Dolphins looked fantastic. And so I really think it's a great matchup because, you know, tactically, I, don't, I still don't think anybody's as good as Belichick when it comes to designing a defense – and really, you know, taking away what an opponent does best. Like, I would not expect Tyree Kill to have over 200 yards receiving in this game. I can tell you that much right now. That that would shock me because that's just not how Belichick rolls.
1: Ross Tucker's with us. Hey, Ross, tell us about uh, myfrontpagestory.com.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, listen, uh, evidently, Steve, a lot of people get married in the fall. I think it should be illegal, by the way. Course, I don't yes. know how you get yes. married. During football season, but it happens. so if you have an anniversary coming up, or even just a birthday, or even, you know what, just sign up. Just go to myfrontpagestory.com, throw your email address in there, so you get a discount for the holidays or Valentine's Day or Mother's Day for, by far, the best gift I've ever seen you somebody be able to give, like, their wife or their mom. It's a story. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. It's framed. It's beautiful. They almost all cry. They almost all have it hanging up in the house myfrontpagestory.com. Just go throw your email address in there so you don't forget next time you got to get your wife a gift for some reason.
1: It looks like you're going to cover a lot of Mountain West Conference football this year. I know you've been on a couple of games, and uh, Ross Tucker's with us. He's on Vanderbilt here in Vegas at UNLV. So just some early impressions of Mountain West Conference football this year.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Mountain West kind of um, in general. I think I, – I really don't think it gets its due, and obviously there's a lot of – considerations moving forward when you think of everything that happened with San Diego State and where Oregon State and Washington State are and it should be interesting but it's been sort of the steadiest conference for football I think it's the only one that hasn't that hasn't had to swap people up but they got some impressive wins right Wyoming over Texas Tech and Fresno State with the win they were able to get in week one which doesn't surprise me at all um and I'm curious really curious about this game I mean I think there's I think this is going to be a close competitive game. I think Odom has done a nice job coming into UNLV. Um, Even Michigan, you know, it's not like, I mean, they lost by a lot, but it's not like they got blown out of the water. I thought they were decently competitive in that game, you know, in the big house. So I I guess I kind of look at Vandy and UNLV as being a fairly even matchup and another chance for the Mountain West to be able to beat, uh, you know, a power five opponent, in this case, an SEC opponent.
1: This is the second time you're seeing Vandy, right? You uh, you did coverage of Vandy and Hawaii. So give me, what's the best thing about Vanderbilt football right now?
3: You know, I think that they're getting there from a talent standpoint. Um, I think they've got some really good safeties. You know, Dericky Wright, number two, and CJ Taylor, number one, are very, very good. They're playmakers. They're guys that they get interceptions. They cause fumbles. So I like those guys. I think they have a pretty good – offensive line although I guess considering how many returning starters they have from last year I'm a little bit surprised they're not doing better and they got a kid in will Shepherd who's just like a touchdown machine I mean when they get in the red zone he just has awesome body control and that's the guy you know in number 14 that they'll be looking for when they get there um, but I don't know that they've I don't know that they've taken a step forward from last year you know last year they won five games. Back-to-back SEC games, Kentucky and Florida. I mean, that was big for them. I don't know that I feel like I noticed them being better this year, which surprised me a little bit because they got a lot of guys back. And they've got some impressive young guys.
1: Ross Tucker's with us. We're getting ready for UNLV and Vanderbilt. It's a massive game for the Commodores. I mean, you mentioned, hey, they were on the precipice with five wins. They're trying to get to at least six or seven to make a bowl game. You can't lose this game to a group of five team and a group of five school that hasn't traditionally been a power.
3: A thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think Vanderbilt would say this publicly, but this is a must-win game for them because now it's going to be, you know, they'll get into their conference schedule and those games are all difficult, as we know. I mean, they probably are at a talent deficit still in every conference game they play. So when they do have more talent than someone and they do over UNLV, they got to win. I, I think that the Wake Forest game – was kind of disappointing, right? I think that they, you know, Wake Forest doesn't have Sam Hartman anymore, and I think that that was a game that um, disappointed they lost, but also, you know, it was 30, whatever, it was 36-20. You know, they weren't right there at the end. You know, it was a a two-score game, almost a three-score game. So I think that's probably as frustrating as any, is that through the first three games, I don't know that we've seen improvement. They're kind of the same team making sort of the same mistakes.
1: You're going to see Ross Tucker on CBS Sports Network. He's on the call of the UNLV and Vanderbilt game. He's the host of the Ross Tucker podcast. You can find him on social at Ross Tucker NFL. I don't know how much you've gotten into UNLV in the pre, but a lot of this game to me comes down to the quarterbacks and getting production and no mistakes. A.J. Swan's got to be mistake-free. And then Doug Brumfield, they had high expectations for him in this new go-go offense, but the so far the pass game hasn't really clicked. So just general impressions from you about UNLV on offense.
3: Well, one thing that jumps out to me because I did UNLV against San Diego State last year, late in the season. It's just incredible, Steve, how many new guys there are. You know, like I remember Ricky White and Trig Wright and Tiger Shanks and obviously Brumfield. I don't remember any of these other guys. I, I mean, most of the other guys are new or whatever. And it's just, I guess that's the world that we live in for college football. But can't somebody please think of the broadcasters that don't want to have to memorize all these new names and numbers, you know, like, can we keep some more returning starters? But no, in all sincerity, um, you know, Brendan Mary and the OC has a really, really good reputation. And then you combine that with Brumfield who has done some really good things. I would like to think that they would have a chance to really do some positive things this year. Now, you know, they've only had two games, right? Bryant and Michigan, which is like polar opposites of each other. And and so I think this is a good kind of measuring stick for them. Vandy is not Michigan. Uh, Vandy's a little bit closer to what they'll see at the top of the Mountain West. So if they could win this game, boy, that would be a huge, huge early season, uh, early tenure win for Barry Odom and go a long way, really, in giving these guys momentum and confidence going into the Mountain West schedule.
1: Hey, one last question about the Mountain West. Uh, I know you've seen San Jose State, and uh, you know they had a tough time against USC in Oregon. They won big last week. They have a great offense. I, just, I wonder if that offense is good enough to carry them through the season and have them finishing maybe top three or four in the conference.
3: Yeah, well, listen, uh, the quarterback is fantastic. I mean, he's really, really good and has been year six in the Mountain West for Shevin Cordero. And they had some injuries, right, when they played Oregon State and they did that game on CBS. You know, they didn't have the running back, Kyrie Robinson. They didn't have uh, their top receiver, Justin Lockhart. So, they, they you know, they're missing. They, they had been missing some of their key guys. But as long as they've got Cordero, they got a chance to win every Mountain West game they play.
1: Go to uh, myfrontpagestory.com, Ross Tucker, with his final question. How realistic is it that Oregon State can actually win the Pac-12 and just, you know, I mean, really upset the apple card after they were kind of left by the wayside in all
3: this conference chaos? I would say very. Really? Um, they have the best offensive line, I think, in the conference. They're very, very well coached and disciplined on defense, and Uyunglele gives them an option running the ball as well as with his arm. And the O-line so good, Steve, that in the play-action passes, they give him all kinds of time so those little receivers get down the field and he just has that bazooka. You just can't cover those guys that long, you know? And then he's got that bazooka to tattoo him with the ball. Um, I I think they'll be right there at the end. The Pac-12 is loaded and, you know, It's probably unlikely when you think about Oregon and USC and the other teams, but I would not be surprised if Oregon State beat any of them. It's just beating most of them, which is tough. I don't know if they have the depth that those other teams have.
1: Ross, we always appreciate your time, and we'll see you out at Allegiant in just a couple days.
3: Sounds great. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Really appreciate it.
1: Ross Tucker, analyst for college football and the NFL, caught up with him a little earlier in the day. And again, he'll be out here at Allegiant calling the Vanderbilt and UNLV game. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to be on the road at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. You can take advantage of the fish and chip special where you get the collector glass of beer. You get to keep the glass, and you do get a beer. It's not just the glass, Uh, but a great special there, 55-plus TVs. The sportsbook is open. If it's not open at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, the betting kiosk are 24-7. Xavier Pope's coming up in just a little bit. We'll get into that uh, Jim Trotter lawsuit against the NFL and another week of good hype, extra level hype for a Colorado game and Dion. And we got to sort of break down what maybe some people have a problem with when it comes to Dion, and that's his look and his behavior, which is Dion, So I'm not sure that he was supposed to change once he became a college football coach. Is it a rule that you have to be kind of stodgy? Barry Odom's not stodgy. We don't have one of those stodgy guys. Uh, Dion is taking full advantage of the media. I feel like he's on McAfee all the time. And, you know, when Pat McAfee joined the ESPN family, and we're not owned by ESPN, we're just an affiliate, we're owned by Lotus Broadcasting, but... We will cross-promote from time to time. Why not, right? That's our, uh, our mothership and our name, and we make money off their name. I was really excited when McAfee was joining the lineup. I was hoping he was going to join the radio lineup, which I thought was going to be really interesting because uh, they do cuss a lot on the old version of the show they did, and I was figuring they had, I don't know, we'd have to go, or nationally they would have to go to like a four-layered dump machine, which uh, that might have been a, a tale they were spinning, but an old FM show... Uh, Opie and Anthony had talked about having like a 28 second delay because they were so worried about you know the management was so worried about cusses getting through. So McAfee's having to make an adjustment here. He's on TV. It is cable TV, so I don't even know what the rules are on on cussing. But uh, he was getting worked up talking about the Jets, and he actually tried to quote. Well, no, he reacted to a Robert Sala quote and uh, slipped a little bit.
3: I was holding optimism until Sala comes up to the thing and goes, yep, popped his Achilles, we're f***ed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, can't say that oh, wow. here on ESPN. Shoot. Two, three, four, <laughs> five. five. That is basically what Sala said whenever he came up to the uh, the podium. Yeah. There you go.
1: It's not a podcast. It's not on YouTube. You got to learn a little bit. But if that's the worst thing that happens for McAfee, for ESPN, they're paying a lot of money, they're going to make a lot of money, they'll be okay. I think he should let a couple more slip. I wish we could let a bunch slip. I On <laughs> Tuesday, I would have let so many slip, it would have been unreal.
2: Yeah, a couple people let some slip. <laughs> 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 yes, a lot of Jets fans
1: let some slip. And then uh, we played that audio from our buddy uh, Brandon Tierney on WFN in New York who was having a conniption, sweating through his bald head and hyperventilating, and believe me, as I said, I've been around him before, uh, a friend, actually was a roommate out here. Uh, the cursing would have been wild. But McAfee has a little more, more freedom than we do. But he can't be dropping F-bombs. Get it together, Pat. Please. Please. Uh, Sunday morning, great place to watch football is the Westgate. we got the Sunday football preview show. Danny. From the Press Box is hosting the show. It's one hour of gambling talk, getting you ready, all the injuries, the latest line movements. John Murray from the Westgate, the Superbook, is on with Danny. It starts at 8 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas. But you know what? Even better time. Go out and watch the show and then stay there all day long and go into the theater and watch football inside the Westgate International Theater. Of suit up news, legal and cultural contributor Xavier Pope is live on Cofield and Company. You heard it on Thursdays. We bring in Xavier Pope at this time of the day. Xavier, how are you, buddy? You, uh, I got an important question for you. Uh, you wearing underwear right now?
0: I am absolutely not wearing underwear. Sorry. I don't need. <laughs> I do not need to know
1: any of that. I see you tweeting off a study about. Uh, free ball, and it's better for, like, sperm counts, and then you're like, oh, well, you know, I don't wear underwear. I'm like, I don't need to hear any of that.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I see a lot of really interesting things in my timeline. Men's health. I talk about, a lot about, you know, how men keep themselves healthy, and it was just a study about how men wearing underwear that's more restricting all the time, yep. especially when they're sleeping, uh, can reduce uh, the ability for you to uh, be uh, all you can be.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm old, uh, so I don't plan on having kids, and I also don't plan on uh, dragging on the floor with uh, my set. So I go, I go extra tightness. I'm keeping
0: this tight, okay? So, uh, there, so TMI, TMI, right back at you. <laughs> if you keep it tight, Steve, you know you might keep it not right. I'm just saying. Eh, I'm okay with it.
1: Uh, I'm not exactly okay with uh, with new UFC champ Sean Strickland. I don't know if you heard this one, but it leads into a several female topics of uh, maybe people aren't respecting females out there listen to the new 185 champ uh as he talks here about america and problems And uh you know back in my day it used to be like this man americans we need to go back to like taking women out of the workforce maybe that's where you guys we let women vote no offense no no i want to tell you guys i <laughs> think about america prior to women voting they try to ban alcohol i don't even drink but i'm not trying to ban alcohol so what you did man you let these women come in the workforce
3: now we make less money you got kids raising themselves on tiktok we need to go back to like 1942
1: okay there you go new new voice of ufc
0: Sean Strickland is only thirty-two years old. How does he know about how things used to be? Get the hell out of here! Yeah. He's just a new generation of grifters yeah. who try to hang on to the most ridiculous thing possible because there are a lot of toxic men, old and young, who want to hold on to these re- foolish concepts of women. Um, but unfortunately, there are women who buy into that stuff. We talked about this uh, a, a week or so ago in terms about the the kissing coach situation. Um, but I think it's just guys out there love this stuff and sometimes it feeds it to a toxic culture that that sport should should keep trying to amplify. Yeah.
1: Which leads to, I think, some premature analysis of the Mel Tucker case. He's the Michigan State coach who has uh, pretty serious sexual harassment allegations being thrown his way. So, First of all, give me your take on these allegations, and is this a 50/50? He said she said. Um, on the other side, get you know I just said, hey, don't judge women in this case, but uh, we strongly side with the women. Are we judging against the guy without due process?
0: Yeah, I think it's important to understand that you have to let this process play out. Unfortunately, no Tucker being suspended without pay is a big part of this. Um, but I always say, yes, follow the facts where they leave, follow the investigations where they leave but also make sure that people aren't unfairly punished, because being labeled a sexual abuser is a heavy price to pay for certain people. We thought it happened with Marco Irvin, who now is back on the NFL Network, and after getting a settlement from the Marriott, um, in this situation, you have to wait and see how things particularly play out. So Mel Tucker believed that this was consensual. Real interesting set of circumstances, because they didn't actually have sex with one another. Um, seemingly they had a friendly relationship, according to the accuser, and then it went to a, a phone call that was 36 minutes long that allegedly he pulled out what well, he's his drunk and started masturbating and she did not ask for that. And Mel Tucker was saying that she definitely asked for that and then also maybe shared some pictures um, and talked about some of the, some different things that she'd like and accepted gifts from him. So I think as this investigation goes along, you figure out a little bit more about whether who's telling who's telling the truth or not. But to do this for a... Speaker of sexual assault prevention at the school at a place where Larry Nassau was, it would be a really foolish thing for Mel Tucker to have done after getting a $95 million contract. Yeah,
1: it's it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. What is also mind-boggling, and I guess a real interesting angle, was the free press in Detroit decided to write a story and on the tweet said, uh, did Mel Tucker ruin the future of black coaches, other black coaches as well. Was that kind of the angle on this thing?
0: Yeah, the headline, the article was terrible. Uh, it, it was shoddy writing with an opinion piece. Unfortunately, it was an African-American journalist. Um, that Jim Trotter, who is now currently uh, suing the National Football League over racial discrimination, pointed out and said, hey, that's why you need diversity in the newsroom, uh, even though there was a black writer, and saying, hey, you can't put something like this on all the African-American coaches. We already see with the issues that Deion Sanders is, is dealing with in terms of his perception of how he's running that program, one thing from one particular coach does not reflect on all African-American coaches. And that also has to go back to what I just talked about, For these investigations have to play out. So it's just taking a couple steps ahead and expanding that beyond the scope and just to give any excuse for why African-American coaches are not to be qualified when they're trying to be able to push further into Power 5 jobs is absolutely ridiculous.
2: Also wanted to talk about Michael Irvin because I remember being down in Phoenix for the Super Bowl and it was hey, Michael Irvin got in trouble and everybody's thinking, oh, I wonder what he did. Could you give us some more details on what actually happened and how this settlement came about?
0: Yeah, I mean there, there was reports that this employee, uh, Michael Irvin, said something that was sexually explicit and re- relating to his race and his, uh, and his ability to to have sex, and so there and then the Mary, I reported this incident, the national football league network, um, then took him right off right before the super bowl. Um, so, and then he and his attorneys showed the interaction. We all saw it online where it was a really brief interaction. We don't know exactly what was said, but based on that, that led to other uh, defamation suit right away, a hundred billion dollars by, by Michael Irvin. He moved right on that to prove his innocence. And, and it's as much energy as people give to some of these claims, uh, I definitely think women's rights and, and, and believe victims, but when it's someone is wrongfully accused, bring that same energy and making sure you're putting that into people that are wrongfully accused as well. Many people are sitting in jail, riding for being wrongfully accused. Have to make sure you follow the facts that they leave and make sure to bring that same energy on the other side of the, of, you know, of the coin.
1: I do have to mention we're talking to Xavier Pope, our uh, attorney and a cultural contributor on Thursdays. He Actually, yeah, I'm going to call him up. I need help. Um, but we should mention, NFL Network, I think, set itself up to be in freakout mode because of the way it didn't police things in the past. I mean, if we go back four years ago, there was a big suit, and apparently it was legit, where a woman at NFL Network had accused the five different analysts or people of... Uh, groping and harassing her, and we have not seen Marshall Falk or Heath Evans since, so I'm guessing the lawyers with NFL Network are like, hey, we are anything like this, we have to do something immediately. Now, that said, that doesn't make it right.
0: Well, you also have to get into the timing, like I said before, just before the Super Bowl. Yeah. So the NFL Network had to act quickly. They didn't have really much time, and the biggest stage, big selling of its sport is right there. It would The league would go, get huge egg on its faces that with distract from the actual game itself. So they moved forward They had to do what they had to do. I mean, what, what can you do? But the big thing is when the NFL season started, there was Michael Irvin right there, uh, hand being tapped uh, by Kurt Warner, saying, hey, glad to be back. They moved on. They went with the broadcast. Uh, and, and so all is done right now. And I know that Michael Irvin is just happy he's been vindicated. He gets a chance to continue on with his career.
2: You mentioned the NFL and egg on their face. They just cannot stop stepping in it. Jim Trotter is now following a lawsuit. How much validity do you think that he has with this?
0: Uh, I think that remains to be seen. And you know the NFL hates discovery. And so you have to also follow (laughs) where the the, the process leads. Because if Jim Trotter is making these claims terms as owners, the owners do not want to get in the records of what NFL owners are saying about players, about media, or any of that. And so Jim Trotter understands that same lawyer as is, is Brian Flores. He saw how far this was able to get for Flores to get a second chance in the, in the National Football League. So this is a biggie. And Jim Trotter, I, I know him, good guy, solid guy. And remember, he brought to task Roger Goodell after Super Bowl, two consecutive Super Bowls in a row to talk about diversity. And so to see how Roger Goodell responded to him, really not addressing the issue um, and, and at all, and, and see what happens to him after that. I mean, he, he, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe uh, 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 some of these NFL owners? Are you going to believe Jim Trotter? I tend to side as believing Jared, Jim Trotter, but the NFL doesn't want all his records to come out. And so let's, let's see how that process plays itself out. Well,
1: and in the lawsuit, Trotter claims, you know, there's a pattern of behavior in this league. He, uh, he said that. Terry Pagula at one point said quote around the time of the uh, protest for um, you know bad policing and social justice Pagula, the bill's owner said quote if black players don't like it here they should go back to Africa and see how bad it is Jerry Jones uh, quote was thrown in the lawsuit saying quote if blacks feel some kind of way they should buy their own team and hire who they want to hire um, I mean it was the sad thing is when you see that you're like okay I mean it's kind of believable Um. Can Trotter throw that out there with any threat of defamation? Like, is he safe because that's in a lawsuit?
0: It, uh, I, I know they could, the league could start counter him for that. But then once again, Steve, we've talked about this before. When you start counter suing, now you're opening yourself up for guess what? Your records to be open in discovery, and mm-hmm. so the NFL. This is the worst case scenario for the league because they are put themselves in a position to defend themselves. They have to go after Trotter, but to proceed forward with that, they have to look into uh more evidence gathering that for both sides are required to proceed with a suit.
1: So, Damon, I want you to jump in here and talk about week one on the field because we have a lot of bets going on, and it happens all season on Cofield and Company. So we had a big showdown with uh, one host saying that uh, Jordan Love is going to blow away Justin Fields this year as a quarterback, and Damon was all over Justin Fields, uh, Chicago guy. Damon, how are you feeling?
2: I'm feeling pretty bad. I even went back and watched a little bit of the game yesterday. You know, I just had last night I was just, where, where did it go wrong for Justin Fields? So, uh, Xavier, I, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to jump off the bandwagon. i put myself in a bad bet here.
0: <laughs> one I, week. Think, I think that it's one game. One week. Game. Yeah. One, week. <laughs> right. one week in the National Football League. A lot of crazy stuff happened. Uh, I saw <laughs> Josh Allen not, not, not playing up to himself and losing a game to the Jets. I mean, even after Aaron Rodgers that uh, hurt, and so I, I think don't overreact. Jordan Love is the real deal, no question about it. Uh, Justin Fields, he still needs time to develop with this offense, offensive line. They need to design some more rollouts um, for him to get on the run, so he can get to get to his targets and and focus more on his skill set. They don't have to. I mean, the majority of the time he was dropping back, and so. I think that they have to address how they're able to get him effective throwing the ball in addition to using his legs.
2: Xavier, that's the problem. You're in this for the long haul. You've got another 15 years that he can be built up. I've got the rest of the season. Yeah, it's been, it's, that's <laughs> the season.
1: He's got to come through, he's got to turn it around. All right, we got it. Before we get you out of here, Xavier Pope is with us. We have to talk about all the hype that is being created around Deion Sanders in Colorado, and a lot of it's on the field, and a lot of it's off. And I'm guessing, hey, just to hype up the rivalry, maybe get his guys fired up, that Jay Norvell, the coach of Colorado State, uh, goes out there with a statement on his radio show. And he's basically said Dion is a-, a clown for wearing glasses and having a hat on at press conferences and all the time in front of cameras. What do you make of that? Is that just harmless, you know, back and forth uh, football stuff? Or is there something damaging about kind of getting on Dion's look and approach?
0: Well, he, he focused on my, my mother taught me how to do this, that he wasn't being a grown man. And that's what Deion Sanders responded to. I mean, Jay Norvell is only, what, four years older than Deion Sanders, 60 years old. De- uh, Deion Sanders was 56, 57 years old. And so, um, but you also have to consider um, that that program has been dominated by, by the University of Colorado for years. And so this battle is just more talk going back and forth. Be able to make a name for himself. That team is 0 and 1 with they what 25 plus underdog for that particular game. So I mean, he can't. This is he can't lose. Basically, they're not expecting to win the game. Mosso well talks some trash and see what what happens. But we've seen uh, two weeks in a row how Colorado responded but feeling disrespected. Two and zero, 2 and zero. Last
1: 45 seconds, I saw you retweet something that was really interesting. Juicy J explains why he's never done cocaine. And you tweeted out something about uh, you know the impressions you got '80s and '90s on cocaine, some really damaging moments.
0: Yeah, a big there have been documentaries about this. Lynn Bias' death uh, for some an overdose, and the state On the Drugs campaign, Nancy Reagan, the the, the Dennis Leary trying the egg in the pan. So had a generation that was thought that hey, if you use cocaine, you would die, and so that impacted Juicy J, and that's why he never used cocaine. And so that death of Lynn Bias had a huge impact on, on the culture at the time.
1: Uh, you got hit on, I don't want to take this lightly, but you got hit on apparently by some a woman who was like 25 years older than you the other day. If she said, you know what, you can have me, but we got to snort some rails. Is the bias thing out the window for you? You make a run?
0: I'm definitely making a run for it, and I'm not wow. seeing those avocados.
1: Look at you. All right. Anything for the ladies? Xavier, we appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you. Love you. Thanks for the time today. Love you too, guys. <laughs> Yeah, Demond's looking at me like Len Bias. What? Eighties, nineties? No, I cocaine? know that. I
2: didn't get the crack of egg in a pan reference.
1: Oh, there was it was a commercial campaign, a PSA. So,
2: like, yeah. this is your brain on drugs, fried yep. egg. Yeah, we
1: got all these. <laughs> we got all these really weird messages uh, through visuals. There's also the the great commercial where you know a dad finds his kid with weed, and he's like, "Where'd you Where'd you learn this?" And he's like, "From you, Dad. From you."